0: Faith and Science Podcast. My name is Tyler Bullock, and welcome back to the 18th Sunday after Pentecost for the week of October 13th. 2019 I'm excited to have you here I'm excited to dig into this week's podcast and I'm excited that again as we go through this weird season of fall it's kind of this weird transition period I know here in the upper midwest I've actually even gotten snow this last week that's now melted as we kind of go through this beautiful fall season that we were having and having some snow thrown into the mix makes things all the more weird and interesting and again gets us the opportunity to see and understand and contemplate the beauty of God's creation as we are in this Place in which He has given us and it gives us this time to think about kind of our own transition as we are transitioning into the new year, as we are transitioning into the beginning of fall, the mid fall, and as we've already had school starting and transitioning to what is the year going to bring. It's this constant transition that I feel like we are rolling through here through September and October. And I think it gives us this opportunity again. Like we've talked about, reflecting and thinking about at a deeper level, what does this all mean? What is this all coming to? And especially as we're kind of wrapping up the church year, as we're getting close to going into the new church year, what does this all mean? What does it mean as we're getting these last few texts out of Luke? Is there something more we can take from them? But before we get into this week's podcast, I have to do my shameless plug for Working Preacher. I love using Working Preacher. I use them on a weekly basis for their commentaries, their discussions, and their Sermon Braid podcast with Joy J. Moore, Matt Skinner, Ralph Jacobson, and Caroline Lewis. And it helps me, since I am not an ordained minister, it gives me some direction as I am looking to bring you this podcast week after week. And finally, before we jump into this week's text, we have to look back on the Twitter question from last week. And last week's Twitter question was, how can you use your faith more in your daily life? And I think that's really a challenge when we really get down to it is how do we figure out not only to be a light to others around us, but how do we then show that love and how do we make it a regular part of of our lives. So I got one response this last week, and it was from one of the older listeners in our podcasting group. And he talks about it as he's dealing with people who he's coming to get to know more that are dealing with disability and death. And as he's continuing to have more aging friends around him, how do we consider and deal with this and not think about using our faith more in that part of our lives. I know for me, this last week, I had a very significant figure in my life pass away. And it's probably still trying to digest and figure out what this all means to me and what's this me moving forward. And I think that's where faith comes in. It's been the last couple of weeks as I've been dealing with watching this figure slowly start to fade away in a lot of ways, trying to figure out what is he meant to me, being able to say those last respects, but also remembering back to how many times that I should be doing that anyways with people who are, I hope, long from death. And I think it's one of those moments and times that we don't often consider until it's too late. And so I think it's one of those ways that we need to consider when using our faith is Engaging with people, be it young or old, and helping them understand that they are loved, they are cared for, and that they have an impact on you. So I will dedicate this podcast to the late Robert Peterson. So let's dig into this podcast before I get super emotional. The gospel text this week is out of Luke chapter 17 verses 11 through 19. And this is a really interesting text to kind of dig into here. Jesus is in enemy territory, if you want to put it that way, between Samaria and Galilee. He has this group of lepers come up to him. They are called to him, and Jesus' master have mercy on them. And he says, go and see the high priest, and they will make you clean. And on their way, they are made clean. And one of the ten come back to Jesus and essentially fall down on his knees and are praising him. And this is a Samaritan. Jesus makes the comment, weren't there nine others who were healed? And yet the only one that comes back is this foreigner. And he then tells him to get up, go on your way. Your faith has made you well one of the things that i found really interesting with this text is jesus gives a command of go to see the high priest which was in that time and in that place that was kind of your re-entrance into society yet you have this community that has come from a very mixed background we would assume of just that we're collectively putting these groups of people because they are lepers together and yet I would argue in a way that this Samaritan has now disobeyed what God told him to do. He tells him to go to the priest. It never states that he gets there. He's on the way and turns around and gives praise to God. Now, we don't know what the others were doing. Were they just praising God? Or did this Samaritan eventually go to the priest? But I think it's an interesting narrative to look at, but I think it's the idea, the concept of that you have this mixed community, if you want to put it that way, and the thanks and gratitude that comes from it, but also the healing is really important. The first reading this week then is from 2 Kings chapter 5 verses 1 through 3 and 7 through 15 C. And this is where we get this great story of Naaman. Naaman is this great commander, great leader who happens to have leprosy and is an opponent to the Israelites. And he has taken this young girl captive and essentially made her his wife. She then says, if you only were able to talk to one of the prophets and talk to my Lord, like we had in Samaria. So he goes and essentially is communicating with these. The king of Israel does not want anything to do with this guy. But Elisha says, sure, let me deal with him. And so when they come, Elisha tells him to go and wash in the Jordan seven times and he will be restored and be made clean. And Naaman gets angry at this. He's expecting some type of show, some type of production, and yet it's, why can't I then use the waters back home on where I came from? Why do I have to come all the way here to do this? And one of his servants with him essentially says, if this was difficult, would you have not done it? Because it's so easy, because it's something so simplistic, you're now saying that you don't want to do it. And then he goes and decides, yeah, I might as well do this and does what he's told and he's washed clean. And he's quoted here at the end of verse 15. Now I know there is no God in all the earth except in Israel. Please accept a present from your servant. And I think this story gets into an interesting part of the whole human community, whole human psyche, if you want to put it that way, of we love digging into challenging things. But when something is easy, it's sometimes really easy for us to put it off or for us to dismiss it as something that we shouldn't do because it's too easy to do this. We like the difficult. We like the hard. And I think at times that is kind of speaking into the story of Naaman and gives an interesting light to the human part of us. The alternative first reading this week is from Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 1 and 4 through 7. This is where we're getting a little background of what is going on and that the people of Israel are in exile from Jerusalem to Babylon and they're crying out to God and the prophet comes to them and essentially tells them good news that they don't want to hear, that they're going to be in Babylon for a while. Take your wives and sons and daughters and have marriages, plant gardens because they're going to produce, build houses, settle down and realize that you are in exile but the Lord is on your side and things are going to be okay that God is still here this is still within what he had planned he has got this figured out but it's going to mean that you're going to be there for a while and it's not exactly the news that the Israelites are wanting to hear at this time and again i think this is things that we need to consider and we need to look at and actually ties in very beautifully with the theme that we're going on this week so Buckle up, we'll dig into this a little bit further. The psalm this week is Psalm 111, and it's giving praise to God like we typically get in a lot of the psalms and honoring and acknowledging the majesty and power of the work that he has for us and that all the things that he's done, that he's created these great nations, the works of his hands are faithful and just and how he's able to still steer us in paths of wisdom and such through fearing the Lord and understanding and giving him respect, giving him the praise that endures forever, giving him the, the honor that we too need to give God. The second reading then is from 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 8 through 15. And this is, again, Paul Talking to Timothy and kind of reminding him of the hardships that it might mean of following Christ. That there's times where things are difficult, for which I suffer hardships, even to the point of being chained like a criminal. But the word of God is not chained, coming from verse 9. And talking about then enduring through the glory of God that he has given him. And that God has, through Jesus, has already done the pain and suffering that we deserve. And then continuing this idea of reminding that we must stay trying, tried and true as much as we can to God, but realizing that we are going to fall short, but still stay on the path, no matter how hard it is, of worshiping God because of the word of God being truth. There's a lot this week to dig into, there's a lot of things that we can pull out and think about. But one of the things I did pick up out of the tech study I was at this last week is the difference between healing and curing. Curing is bringing back to the original state, which is all but impossible. Just from a scientific standpoint, there is no way of curing anything because to bring it back and have all the cells the way that they were together is impossible. So a lot of the processes of what we're doing when we're going to a doctor, we're not looking to be cured, we're looking to be healed. And there's vital differences there because in a healing process, yes, things are different, but you're also allowing for the possibility of being transformed through the situation. that things about you have changed. Just like as we experience new things through life, we understand and realize Things And it changes our opinion. It changes our ideas. It forces us to grow. And I think that's important. I think it's something really powerful to understand. So when I was thinking about this with science, there's a couple ways to take this. And I think we'll go through kind of both of them. I'll attach... A nice little Ted Ed video below that kind of goes through the healing process a little bit more in depth than what I can. But this goes through just a typical wound that you're getting through the epidermis, which is the outer layer of skin into the dermis. And I would even argue into the muscle. And that's partially why I wanted to get to that level, is understanding and contemplating how the body is working together and not seeing anything as an individual group, but realizing that we are part of the whole, understanding that all of us are needed. And you can kind of see this in the healing process. So when you get through the epidermis, which is, fun fact of the day, your largest organ is your skin. So you get through that outer layer of skin down to the actual dermis, and then your body is bleeding. So this is called homeostasis. So the body then is trying to form a clot, and it's going to put fibrin in, which is this molecule which is going to help prevent bacteria from coming in and also help with the clotting process to make sure that blood isn't going out. The next stage, we're all very familiar with with inflammation and we're feeling where we're getting that swelling the expansion and part of that then is from the white blood cells that have gone into the wherever situation to help make sure that there isn't bacteria or other viruses that are floating around trying to attack and make sure that the body is clean but that causes some additional growth factor and room for healing if you want to put it that way. The proliferin stage comes next, and that's where collagen is produced. To help close the wound, help the dermis start to come back together, or the healing of other muscles to start coming back together. And that's where we finally get the remodeling at the end, where the collagen is rearranged to help strengthen as best as it can. We get where the skin is starting to be strengthened, and it will only get back to 50 to 80%. Of What it was before that's often where we get scars and marks on our bodies or as many of us will look at like battle scars stories of our lives being put on the skin and understanding that the healing process though we may think it's healed. Continues on for upwards to a year on a lot of different things, and it takes time. And it's one of the things, again, as we've talked about in the past, we really struggle as humans being able to see far enough to understand the process of time and how long at times things take. And I know for me, as a younger person, there's been times where I have started to understand the power of modification the power of sometimes the original in your body that you're going to get additional marks and scrapes and scars that help tell the story and it may not look the same as it did before but it also tells a story and can help engage people in a communication and a learning experience from that. But as I thought about this more, and I know that I do a lot of environmental science on this, I think it also led well to looking at it from that perspective. I know I've talked about in the past that I worked in St. Croix State Park in the summer of 2012, which was the year after a major blowdown at St. Croix State Park. And so now as we're getting closer to that 10-year mark, and we've talked about before how when that happened It allowed for new ideas and new progression within the park, and it meant for new life. But it also means that, yes, there is healing that is happening, but there's also a point of healing and understanding also what was lost. So understanding that the community in which was happening was changing. So one of the things that I can say with being there a year after was there were still parts of that park that looked very alien as they were helping remove the dead trees to prevent major fires later. And you get this open areas where suddenly you can see down to the bare dirt and there's next to no trees and there's very little foliage around. And now as I go back nearly 10 years after when this event happened, that isn't the case anymore. There is new life that is there, and thus the healing has begun as new species come back into the forest. Birds start coming back. You start having small mammals come back. You might even see occasionally a bear walking through an area like that, or deer, that wouldn't have been using that area right after the storm. There was just no coverage. It wasn't a good place to be. But yet, there's also a change in that ecosystem and realizing that they may have lost birds that are looking for an old growth forest of pines. If the pines are gone and they're only a few feet tall, they're not going to be there anymore. So, there's this point of understanding in ecology that there maybe was something lost, and that may be hard, but understanding that there still is nothing that can be completely unreinhabitable. One of the other ones that we've talked about before, where humans haven't been allowed to go back into, but Chernobyl. That Chernobyl, the mutation rate is slightly above where they feel comfortable allowing humans back, but the foliage has come back, a lot of the mammals have come back, maybe are having some additional mutation stuff, but the environment is trying to recover the best that it possibly can. And that's huge. When I look at these readings then, I see that. You have the healing of this man, and you know in that healing he's not going to look at life the same way after that healing. You see Naaman, who has this challenge to Elisha, of why can't you do something difficult? Why can't you have some show, some production to show how great I am? This is too simple. But yet when the change happens, he understands how powerful that change is. The Jeremiah reading, the news that sometimes like a major storm comes through and changes things drastically, but that God's still there and it still can heal and God's still in that and that things are changing and that is okay. That we understand from the psalm the power of God going through all these different situations. And that he's going to help guide us and steer us with wherever we are going. And finally, that doesn't mean that as we're going through it, that this isn't going to be difficult. And that there's going to be things and pinch points and hard times. And that's what I feel Paul is talking to Timothy here in 2 Timothy reminding that that's going to happen, that things are going to be hard at times. But remember that God is still in it and God's still going to pull us through it and to keep the faith. Because no matter how difficult things are, know that the faith that you're clinging on to through Christ is permanent and he's not going to let you go. If we think about the world, especially like where I am, in the last 300 years how much has changed that there's been the place that I am currently located would have easily been native land and that suddenly through maybe good and or bad processes things changed and suddenly you have cities you have changing ecosystems where once this was covered with coniferous trees has now opened up more and more for deciduous trees And we're having more and more farming in this area that wouldn't have been as many open areas as there are now. And you can take anywhere within the U.S., within the world, and how much has changed in the last 300 years. Contemplate that. Think about that. But realizing that God is still in all this, it doesn't mean that we can't still Start to understand, I think, at a deeper level, the gift that God has given us and understanding how do we appreciate it better, but still also understanding that change can be good and that change isn't necessarily a bad thing. Change is sometimes extremely difficult. Sometimes it's extremely easy. Sometimes change seems like it's the change is too easy to do. And sometimes Through doing it, we realize how life-changing it is. Sometimes the change is difficult and hard. I find that so interesting this week between the first reading and the alternative first reading is how different the change is. But the healing that comes from that is still the same. We understand with environments that change and healing take time. And through that, we are able to have a more diverse ecosystem and a better ecosystem. We also need to realize that within our own selves, that we continue to work with God to understand how do we need to keep changing and how do we need to changing as a community to be able to grow in the places and ways that God wants us to grow. And sometimes that's hard and sometimes that's easy. And that's the difficult thing with faith at times. So the Twitter question this week I will ask is, where are you seeing healing And where are you seeing change that could be healing? Where are you seeing healing? And where are you seeing change that could be healing? I think right now, especially with me being within the United States, and this is as far as I'm going to push it politically, I think we need healing. I think we need healing to be able to come together and be able to discuss issues and not necessarily point fingers at each other and see that. There's valid points on both sides and how can we come together to find something beautiful in the middle. Sometimes it's going to mean making changes for both sides, and I think it's a good thing. But we can see in environments around us that pine trees aren't dominant all across the U.S., that it leads to prairies, it leads to oaks and maples and birches and poplars and aspens and all these different types of trees. It opens up for various different types of flowers, various different types of animals and mammals and birds. And it's because of the diversity that we have, the diversity of ecosystems and the healing of ecosystems that we realize how great and amazing this world, our countries are. It gives us the desire as humans to explore other places, to see these great things. And it's through the healing that we understand that life in the diversity of it is fantastic. Sometimes we are associated with communities based off of who we are around, if it's fair to us or not. And sometimes it also gives us the opportunity to see beyond different borders that sometimes we ourselves draw. But. I challenge us as we go forward to look at communities and start seeing all of us involved in communities instead of pushing some out. Try involving more and more into our communities so that we can better understand what this beautiful creation is that God has given us. Because one of the things that I can say easily from looking at different ecosystems is the transition to a new ecosystem. From a prairie, to a forest, to a lake, to a river, is seamless. As seamless as it possibly can be. And I can tell you from experience, it's very seamless. Let the healing begin. So, we'll wrap this up as we always do. I pray God blesses you through your faith and amazes you through science.